The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. So happy to have you with us once again here on Trip Talk. We are going to talk to a very courageous, adventurous lady today. Just amazing. Kim Manor is her name. And right after this little thing I got to read, we want to introduce you to her because she is having the adventure of a lifetime and I consider it inspiring. I think you will too. But in the meantime, here are some great news for American Road Magazine readers and lovers of the open road. Celebrate the golden age of Route 66. The cars, the music, the food, the friends made along the way all brought together at the International Route 66 Mother Road Festival in Springfield, Illinois. It's being held this month, September 27 through 29. Unlike many festivals, this one offers free spectator admission. Don't miss the spectacular 2000 car Friday night classic car cruise right into downtown, and then the unforgettable burnout competition on Saturday. The International Route 66 Mother Road Festival is coming up quickly. Get your motor running and head out to historic Springfield, Illinois. Welcome back once again. We are about to talk to a lady who is doing something that I would wager millions and millions of people fantasize about doing. Maybe even take some kind of vow that one day for sure they're going to do it and then they don't. Well, here is a lady who is doing it. Kim Romanner, the founder of Possibilities Amplified, Inc., has more than 30 years' experience in business leadership and innovation. She regularly speaks to audiences in various industries and divides her time between Miami, Florida, and North Augusta, South Carolina, until recently, and thereby hangs the tale. Kim Romanner, welcome to the show today. Hey, Gary. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's just a delight to talk to you anytime, Kim. But on this occasion, for the listeners to both the broadcast and the podcast of American Roads Trip Talk, I can't imagine anybody we'd rather have on today who can discuss the, the zest for life that you develop and get to express on the open road, particularly when you make a great adventure of turning an RV into your rolling home, you and your husband, oh, the stories you would have to share. It's so exciting that I'm, I'd like to get started, Kim, by having you take us through that thought process, the process of decision-making, you and your husband, because you have this high-powered career, you're known as an excellent scientific thinker. You don't do much by accident, that's for sure. Very on-purpose life you're living. And yet here you are taking to the open road throughout North America in your RV, you and your husband. How did that happen? And what was the decision-making process for those who only dream of doing that right now? Well, so uh, my husband was about to retire uh, near the end of 2017. And um, we both knew that we didn't want to retire in Augusta, Georgia, which was our home. As you mentioned, North Augusta is just across the Savannah River from there. And um, I still was working, but um, I closed up the business that I had there. We basically went to visit his sister and brother-in-law in a campground in their Montana fifth wheel trailer. And as we were looking around, I thought, you know, we could do this. We could check this out. And so once we got into our passions 
My husband started looking at RVs, and I started thinking about um, all the information about what it's like to live on the road. We were hooked. That's really how it happened. And then we just had to make the decision to do it, and that's how we got started, by just being really serious about it. And then came, and once again, you're you're probably one of the most scientifically oriented people that I actually can understand when I talk to them. <laughs> you you rate right up there. You don't do much by accident. So in deciding to do this, what were the factors? Was there the sale of a house involved? What about relations with your family? Well, so I, I do believe that you have to start everything with a vision. You have to define what it is that you want to do in as much detail as you can. And then you have to take actionable steps towards that. And so when we decided that we were going to do this, Michael started shopping and I started looking for someone to sell my house and all the stuff in our house. And that's what happened. We sold that, uh, sold the house and uh, probably about four or five months after we'd already hit the road, we had to come home to complete the sale. And so by putting that stuff into action, we were telling all of our friends that this is what we were going to do. Um, it was really almost easy to get it done once we'd flipped over. I like to say that when you're in front of a decision, you're pressing on the membrane of another universe. And if you just keep moving forward through that membrane, you're going to find yourself in another life path that you never could have imagined in the first place. Pressing against that membrane to another universe, there is a metaphysical component to this because for me, it sounds like people have to bet on themselves, bet on their dream to make something like this happen. Otherwise, the logistics alone seem too forbidding. That's correct. And so we knew that we had the technical expertise to do this. We knew that we had enough money saved up to do this. And, and let me say that you can do this at almost any sort of cost level. There are people who are traveling the country living in a van, working on the road in a remote position. I, in fact, am one of those people, but I have a, a little bit bigger rig, and I'm still working while my husband is retired, and we have been out here for almost two years, and we're seeing the most amazing sights in the country. And so the decision was definitely not a mistake. It is, was, in fact, for us a downside. So if you're thinking it would cost you too much money, I would suggest that you take a look at what is actually possible out there. Oh, that's good advice. That will be very encouraging to people who are trying to figure out how they could make it work financially. Well, Kim, let's let's get down to the routes that you've taken and the places that you've seen, because this is going to be particularly inspiring for the dreamers out there who want to get out on the open road. So if you're in the Southeast, did you go north? I mean, did you did you go in a sort of uh, rectangular fashion? Did you go diagonal? How did you plot out this two <laughs> years and counting adventure? Well, my family primarily lives down in South Florida. I was in Miami for 25 years. And so uh, ultimately, it's our goal to, to move back to be near my family. But um, we started out by RVing down there. And so we stopped at many campgrounds along the way through Florida, and after spending Christmas with my mom, she suggested that we take a New England cruise together uh, coming out of Boston, Massachusetts. So that set our path. We went up the East Coast to Boston. We got on a cruise ship. It was actually, um, a, uh, I want to say it was a river cruise, but probably not. <laughs> um, and it was beautiful. It was 10 days, maybe a little bit too long. 
but we really enjoyed it. And then we got back in the rig and we continued our travels up the East Coast until we crossed over to Niagara Falls, went through a little piece of Canada and went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And then we crossed um, the lower part of South Dakota. So we saw things like the Badlands and Mount Rushmore. And you might hear some noise in the background. I actually just arrived in a campground this very minute. And we're in um, Saginaw, Minnesota. And we're moving so fast these days that I have to look at the campground map to see where I am because we're, we're, we're hiking back across the country to get to my, my daughter's wedding in October in Augusta, Georgia. But we traveled okay. across that the top of the country and then went down through Flagstaff, which is where my dad is, and then ended up sort of spending like a month or so down in Arizona and near Mexico and then came back up the West Coast. And now we're heading across the very top of the country on Route 2, which is the topmost route in the United States, and it is amazing. What would you say, and this just occurred to me, I didn't even anticipate asking you this, Kim, but have you been able to tell from state to state how well their roads are maintained? Oh, for sure. Yes. In fact, today was a difficult day because it was one of those highways where they have like they have like a rectangle of pavement followed by a rectangle of pavement followed by a rectangle of pavement. And yes. so it's a very bumpy ride. Uh, but you get used to just about everything out here. And the point is, is that there's something to look at all along the way. I mean, this is such a beautiful country, and we've seen the most amazing things. And so it takes your mind off the fact that the road might be a little bit rough in one place or another. But we do have an infrastructure issue in this country, and I hope we fix it. Absolutely. Well, I have heard talk of infrastructure envisioned and appropriated, and we're going to get it done. And it's at least 15 years have been hearing about this and seeing people's proposals and not so much with the infrastructure, infrastructure, I should say, so far. I hope that happens, too, because it's a great, big, wonderful country and so many places to see. And for safety's sake alone, it seems worth doing. So there Correct, you are with all of these. I, we, uh-huh. Sorry, I just want to say we have traveled over places where they are rebuilding infrastructure. And I would say Good. North Dakota was one of those. So it is happening, but you know, little pieces here and there, but, you know, I, I think we are, we're starting to demonstrate that we know that needs to be done. That is certainly good news. And I will say, since we you mentioned the Dakotas, my partner, Suzanne, and I took a cross-country trip, uh, not exactly diagonally. We did stop in Chicago to see her brother and his wife and the family, and then we kept going along the northern tier of states all the way uh, through to uh, Seattle and then up into Canada a little bit. But as we did that, I noticed that, and I want to give them credit, South Dakota in particular has taken federal money and whatever state resources they have, and they seem to be doing a very mindful and methodical approach to improving their highways, making them smooth and safe. And I didn't mind waiting a couple of minutes before they turned the sign around and let us proceed going across that long state. I was very impressed with the approach that they're taking because it just seemed like responsible governance. And I agree with you totally. And you'll also see that in our national parks. Yellowstone was undergoing a lot of road construction while we were there. And we didn't mind either waiting to go through the mud because we know that on the other side of this thing, those roads are going to be beautiful for all the future visitors to the park. You know what, Kim? You've just 
given me a great idea. We're at the midway point of our interview. Let's talk about the national parks. You wouldn't, taking the kind of trip you're taking, it's not like you'd, you'd ignore them, right? And I've got a senior pass. I qualify. I got it a couple of years ago, and that was money very, very well spent. I've been to Yellowstone. I've been to Glacier. A much, much younger uh, Gary went to, uh, to uh, Yosemite, for example, Mount Rainier, all these wonderful places. These are available, well-maintained, and it doesn't cost as much money as you might think even today. So when you're taking this trip in your big RV, going to the Sun Road, Glacier National Park, Montana, you are a brave lady. Well, we didn't go too far up going to the Sun Road, and also we're not allowed. We're dragging our 37-foot redwood fifth wheel with a uh, 3,500 dually, which is huge with an eight-foot bed. We are too long and too wide to be on the really difficult parts of going to the Sun Road, which is really narrow and very scary. And so we parked at a brand-new RV park at the right, just right outside Glacier, in fact. And um, it was beautiful, and it was brand-new, so everything was very clean and crisp. And it's, it was very high quality, and we had a wonderful time staying there. It was within a bike ride to a little village where we could have a piece of pizza or a beer or whatever uh, or a dinner. And then, um, and then we were right right there so we could go right through the gate into the park. In fact, we biked into the park from the campground. And going to the sun has these lovely buses, the red bus tours, and the drivers of those are called jammers. And the jammers know everything about the park, and so you get this wonderful tour. Plus, they take the roof off if the weather permits. So you can actually stand up on your seat when we stop and take photographs. It was a really very cool experience, and our our jammer, Amy, was amazing, a lot of fun. I'd recommend it to anyone. I would, too. In fact, I was only there for part of a day. We had to make good time on that particular day. And also, there was a wildfire going on, too. We, the air mm. was very smoky in places, including on going to the Sun Road. So that was that impaired us somewhat. However, I would love to go back. Boy, would I ever. And one of the things mm -hmm. that I think would be great to do is to go the length of go vertically up into Canada, because when you first go, I remember this very clearly, when you first enter Glacier National Park, you're surprised to see that there's actually a Canadian, uh, not a store, but a Canadian information center where people are there, real live Canadians, and they will answer questions <laughs> about what it is to go to Alberta and to experience that that prairie province of Canada. And I thought, how strange that that should be the case. And then I recognized, of course, they would do that, because if you keep going north, you're going to enter Canada and a Canadian national park in the process. Well, actually, Glacier is part of a friendship park between the United States and Canada. There's actually another name for the park as it continues north, the Canadian side. I'd love to tell you what it is, but it's not coming to me. I at think the it's moment. Waterton Lakes. So it, there you go. So it is, a, it is a joint park. And so, of course, the Canadians are going to be there because it's their park, too. And so they actually fly when we went up to, uh, to hike the Hidden Lake Trail. Both flags are flying, which I think is really cool. It's a great peace project. I love that. The, the very spirit of the thing. That's excellent. 
Well, you mentioned Yellowstone, and while we have time, I definitely want to go back. What a topic. You talk about a huge topic. Uh, September 1, two years ago, September 1, 2017, I'll never forget it. We rolled into Yellowstone, and the joke was on us, Kim, because Suzanne and I entered thinking, okay, we've entered coming down from Gardner, Montana, so from the north, and uh, a hop and a skip, and we'll just pull in for the night and get our room, and then we'll go sightsee. Turns out we had booked the night in Grant Village. And so when we uh-huh. showed our card to the ranger at the gate, we said, how far to Grant Village? And he said, about 75 miles. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> oh, and it's getting on towards sunset. Gee, okay. And it's not like you're on a four-lane expressway when you're going through there. So we did some sightseeing along this fairly long drive just to get to our room. So for future planning, I have to keep in mind, you know, maybe I stay at Mammoth Hot Springs instead on the near side, if that's the entrance that you're taking. But in Yellowstone, you're really, in a sense, entering the forest primeval. I was overwhelmed by it. We loved Yellowstone, and we did it from the east and then came out the west, and we stayed on both the east side and the west side because the park is huge. You have no idea of the scale of these places until you get out here. Just the general acreage. I mean, there are millions and millions of miles of national park out there, not to mention the state forest that you're going to travel through and stay in. And so we stayed right on that one side so we could see everything on the east side. And then we went around to the west side and stayed there and then was able to, were able to go into the park and look at everything on that side. So, you know, you've you got to strategize how you're actually going to cover all this ground. And one day we actually drove uh, for five hours into Lamar Valley, which is where you're going to see all this amazing wildlife. And we saw wolves with the help of people who were there with their big scopes. They actually let us look through their big scopes so we could see the wolves close up. And there's elk and there's buffalo, and it's just amazing. We saw foxes and ferrets and, you know, little animals as well. Um, but it, it just it, it was a wonderful experience in Yellowstone Park, and everybody should go. It's an amazing topography there. You've got this, not only is there a super volcano underneath it, which someday is going to blow, and fortunately yep. not anytime really soon, but see why you can, folks. The, the idea there is that geologically it is such a heavily thermal area that when you go, it, it's no wonder that they film scenes from a Star Trek movie there. You go to these places, they are otherworldly, and yes, this is Mother Earth, but it doesn't look like anything you're used to seeing. The colors are magnificent and just the water flows that happen across the geothermal areas. And actually, uh, the guys, the major geyser there, Old Faithful, has erupted 34 times already this year, which is more than it's erupted in, in written history, I believe. And it's been going up and up and up over the last three years or so. Actually, the last probably 20 years, I should say, maybe 40 years. And so who knows when that eruption is supposed to happen, but let's hope. It happens after we're gone because it won't be fun. No, it definitely, it'll make the news. That's for sure. And <laughs> Old Faithful, by the way, it's just a little travel tip. They call it Old Faithful and with good reason. And yet you have to modify your perspective a little bit because Old Faithful, you could darn near set your watch by it back in the day. But it's been a while since that was true. You have to allow a time frame. Maybe it's going to go off up to... 20 or 25 minutes after you think it will. And when we went there, 
people of all ages and walks of life were gathered around there just to wait for this event. It was worth it, but you had to wait. That's right. And um, there's so much to see around the geyser. I loved the prism springs, which were multicolored steam comes up off of the a hot spot there. So it's like looking at a steam rainbow and you will not be bored if you go to see Yellowstone. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time we get to travel there. Oh, I envy you your trip altogether, but especially Yellowstone and Glacier. Those are places I have to see again. And I, I want to put in a good word for the attitude of the National Park Service. The way the rangers talk to people is gracious and so informative, but they do insist that you understand that for the animals there, this is their home. You're the visitor. You're visiting a park where they make their home and they observe the natural cycles of life. And so they insist that you do respect the wildlife. For example, if you go in and you were, let's say you chance upon it, an animal that has fallen over, I don't mean anything too dangerous as, as a calf, but if it's fallen over, you think, oh, I'm going to help it to its feet. And you put your human scent on it. People don't realize the mother will reject that calf because of the alien scent put on it by these helpful humans. You have to be that sensitive. We actually ran into a couple when we were hiking in Glacier up to Hidden Lake again, who uh, the woman was getting very irate with another person who had gone off the trail to take their fancy pictures. I mean, they were beautiful wildfires, just huge wildflowers, huge fields of wildflowers. And the mountain goats were actually on the trail with us because they're safer with us because bears are afraid of us. So as long as the goats were hanging out with us, they knew they were safe from the bears. But this couple was very upset because apparently in another part of the park, someone had crept up on a, a couple of women had crept up on a moose from behind to take close-up pictures, selfies, whatever. And the moose all of a sudden became aware of them and then ran off in the opposite, opposite direction where they happened to be. And the poor gentleman of this couple had to go running into the trees and behind a tree and really hurt himself on a branch and had a huge gash on his head. So you oh, wow. have to really respect the, 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 uh, the animals and, and let them have their space, view them from a distance. You know, besides which I know I have 16,000 pictures in my iPhone. I'm pretty sure not many people are going to see all those pictures anyway. <laughs> so look at it, enjoy it, be there with it in the moment, and then move on would be my advice. And that's great advice. And to realize that when you're in a national park setting, you're not really at a zoo. Not remotely at a zoo. And you, you know, as you said, this is their home. And so we are just traipsing across it and often with not enough uh, consciousness. And so to be respectful is the best watchword there, I think. Well, we have a few minutes, Kim. I just wanted to ask you, did you have any surprises in that RV of yours? Did you get yourself stuck anywhere? <laughs> well, I will say that trees are not your friend. <laughs> as much as we love them, we've had a few incidences with trees. Um, they don't move. And so 
you have to be really aware of everything around you. And we, we hit a couple, it's two, you know, that's about as much as it took for us to learn our lesson there, I hope. And uh, we have had to go back to the factory in Topeka, Indiana, to have some work done on the rig, possibly related to the tree incident. <laughs> um, and that was interesting and fun, but not exactly our plan as far as uh, the, the path we were, we were actually traveling on. So, yeah, we've, we've had some issues where we've had to be lifted off of a tree with a forklift and, and, the, oh, wow. and put underneath the rear of our rig. And we've had... Um, We've, the whole roof of our rig had to be replaced because of that. Warranties are a wonderful thing. Um, but mostly when we're out here, it's quiet, it's peaceful, and it's warm and friendly in the campground. And right now I'm standing looking out over this beautiful pond while my husband figures out how to park the rig exactly the way he wants to. And you it just... This is not, and I've been out here. Have we? Did I say that we've been out here for just about two years now? Yes, that's incredible. And people have been out here. We've met people older than us that have been out here 10, 12, 15 years. So it is a lifestyle you can adopt for permanent if you want. And it's a wonderful one. When you make that your lifestyle, you're fulfilling a dream. Yes, you also are, in a way, carving out your own frontier, highways and all. You're making it happen according to your the dictates of your own desires and what you feel is the best kind of experience to have. That's the freedom of the open road. That's what we love to celebrate on American Road Trip Talk, as a matter of fact. The idea that people can decide. They can say yes to the idea, yes to the dream, and go out and make it happen. And you with your possibilitizing temperament and your wonderful husband are doing that very thing. I congratulate you, Kim Romanner. I wish you safety and I can't wait to hear from you again when we find out where you're going. Where are you going next? Well, we're headed east across the top of the country. So our next stop after this will be Duluth. And then we're going to start heading south through sort of the heartland of the country and then east to Augusta, Georgia for our daughter's wedding in October. South Florida will be where we spend the winter. Well, my best wishes to your daughter. I hope every, in fact, I know everything is going to go beautifully and just stay safe out there. We'll have to do this again because I love catching up with somebody following a dream the way that you do, Kim. So we're delighted to have you today and we'll talk again. Sounds great, Gary. Thanks. My pleasure. Kim Romanner, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. 